Max RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello. Hello. Hi. And we don't have a picture. Now we have a picture. Hi. Hello again. <laughs> Welcome to season 22, episode 19 of Happy Jack's Overture Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Abria. This is Taffy. And this is Jim. And, uh, at 19. It's a 19. Do you remember, does anyone remember that 19 song from 1985? No. No, no, no 19. You remember that? You remember it, yeah. I'm an 80s baby. In World War II. The uh, average age of the American combat soldier was 26. In Vietnam, it was 19. No, no, 19. 19. No, no, 19. I don't know, but that sounds like the rad beginning to an industrial song. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. It was like a... I don't know. I don't know what you would have called it. I don't know. Oh, I need to sample that now. It was New Wave uh, British 80s synth pop. I love synth pop. Nice. That was All right. You look this up. Yeah. How's everyone doing? Hi, chat. Hi. Uh, in this episode... Sean from New Jersey writes in about sandboxes. Drail88 sends us a rebuttal about two-player D&D campaigns. Mm-hmm. Tad in, and Tad in Kansas asks about convention game sequels. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Hey. We're on the social media. Medi- mediums? Mediums. Media? Oh, yeah. Mediums. <laughs> uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, Never heard of it. I'm told, Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. Boom. I guarantee Thanks. that most of the people that are on this are far more attractive than I, and I don't Instagram all that much, so don't worry about it. Uh, you are beautiful. <laughs> Instagram 100% more often. Yeah. Be, be blown up, please. <laughs> and if you would like to watch the show live, you can go to happyjacks.org slash live, mm-hmm. and you can see the show. We do this show at 7 p.m. Pacific time on Friday nights. Yay. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, we have three feeds now. We have our regular Friday uh, Happy Jacks RPG podcast feed. We have our actual play feed for campaigns, and then we just started uh, a few weeks ago a third feed, which is one shots, which is one shot Saturday and ShadowCon and any other one shots that we happen nice. to do. We'll all go into that one feed. So there's good. three. So if you can't find it, let me know, and I will try to figure out why you can't find it. <laughs> I. No promises. <laughs> but I'll try. I will Sweet. make a sacrifice to the Google gods for you <laughs> that can provide any assistance whatsoever. And uh, oh, and we're not on Spotify because that's pay per play. Fuck that. Is it really? It is. Oh man. I, I, have, I, I can go into a tirade about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, but you are on Stitcher, which is another great yes. uh, way to get your podcasts and iTunes and a bunch of other stuff. Oh yeah, so, we're, we're, yeah, in the, we're whatever. All over the place. What, not, it's not Google Play anymore. Whatever the Android. Yeah, Android podcast or Google Podcast or whatever. Happy Jacks is currently running a listener viewer survey through October 15th. Past surveys have had a real effect on the direction of Happy Jacks RPG podcast and our actual plays. If you would like your voice heard, go to happyjacks.org slash 2018 survey. That's 2018 survey. All munched together. No capitals. I guess twen- the numbers are kind of always capitals because they're always bigger. Mm. <laughs> that would be yeah, there are no lowercase numbers. <laughs> no. In order to, to avoid duplicate responses, you must have a Google account and must be signed in to take this survey. <laughs> However, we will not have access to any information about your Google account, IP address, etc. To our eyes, the survey is anonymous. Please remember the deadline for the survey is October 15th, 
happyjacks.org slash 2018 survey. Go take it if you haven't. Yeah. Yes, please. And it, it that, that <coughs> makes significant differences. It already I was going to ask, what kind of differences does the survey make? Well, the um, last four or five responses I got in the last couple days said, hey, by the way, the intro music to the Friday show is really freaking loud compared to everything else. Oh. So I, because I, 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 I listen to probably about every third show in my car just to kind of survey isn't quality. even over and you already have palpable results? Yes, nice. absolutely. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, good survey. Side yeah. note. And there's been others too. There have been, uh, set, there have been probably three or four changes to the, to the show so far. Uh, my like, voice like is so buttery today. I just have to say <laughs> something early because it's very nice. Maybe <laughs> because I'm like, never to you. It's very good. You're welcome, all the podcast people. It sounds pretty great. You know what? A compliment for, from you is like extra super plus good for some reason. <laughs> it's because I'm mostly an asshole. <laughs> True that facts. could very be it. Yeah. Very well be it, yes. I know my uh, brand is pretty fucking rude. <laughs> Usually, I'm not the type to go, hmm, get all flattery, but you say something nice <laughs> about me, and I go, hmm, <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. I feel so good about myself. Self-esteem <laughs> plus five. <laughs> one, of, one of the changes I remember the most is shortening the actual cast. Because remember when you used to go, like, three hours? Yes. And people were like, please stop. Right. That's, well, that's there's, there's a, there were, in, in some of those cases... There will be some people who will say one and some people yeah. who will say the other. Mm-hmm. And none of this stuff is in the actual regular survey questions. These are This all comes from comments that people leave near the end of the survey. From the essay portion of the survey. In the essay mm-hmm. portion of the yeah, survey. It's important but, for your SATs. And once, I mean, if one person says something, unless I look at it and go, yeah, I could change that without it really affecting anything. But normally I'll, I'll, get, I'll get trends. Because right now there's 190 people that have, have responded. Nice. Good so, job, guys. Wow. So, so like... The, the loud intro music was like... Well, there's a couple people who just bitched about it <laughs> and didn't really s- tell me what was wrong. But then, like, in the last day or so, three or four people said, it's really loud. So I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to end up remastering it because mm-hmm. I, I slammed the fuck out of it with the compressor. You could also try getting the right uh, title music for Gene X. Ooh, is it? Is there the new, is there new is there new Gene X music? There was, there always has been, but it's never been updated. Oh yeah, oh, really? apparently Jib did a tweak to it like the night before, but it, for and since then it's never made it. Oh, how, yeah, it's a big <laughs> thing to get it on the soundboard because oh, okay. I have to bring out a different computer and plug it in, let the computer update because I only use it once every five weeks, <laughs> and then but yeah, have him send it when you if you talk to him, have him send it to me again, and I'll oh. try to get it up before the next game. Yeah. Uh. And yeah, that's that. Mm-hmm. So, first email. Nice. Sandbox advice from Sean in New Jersey. Yay, Sean. My dearest Jack's most pl- joyful. Buttery. That's all I'm saying. Very nice. He gave me some feels on that. Someone had like an apple and some tea before we started. (laughs) I'm writing in this time seeking advice on building an exploration-focused sandbox world. My plan is to create a game using the Western Marches campaign structure, which is focused on exploration of unknown lands uh, to the West using D&D 5th edition. To uh, to the East are the settled lands and civilizations, but those are places for characters to retire to, not explore. Uh, The campaign structure also has a large player pool. I'm aiming at 10 and with the players then organize the sessions themselves and do adventure parties of three to six. Ah, okay. Um, I will make my schedule available to them 
so they can pick dates for the game sessions. I'm hoping that this will help to alleviate some of the problems with scheduling games that plagues many a gaming group. <clears throat> Here is the blurb that I wrote as an introduction and hook for my players. After the millennium of conflict, the world of a Althea <laughs> was utterly dis- devastated. United under the Pax Dracona, the beleaguered leaders sought a way to build rebuild from the ashes. Seers and oracles found new worlds the Pax Pax could spread the Pax could spread to beyond portals through the deep ether and settle, bringing in needed materials to rebuild and bringing new frontiers to explore. For 300 years, the Pax Dracona was the transplanar civilization building to a new golden age from the rubble of the Millennium War. A hundred years ago, Terrible ether storms severed the networks of gates and portals, isolating all of the settlements from one another, fracturing the packs. No one knows for, for how long the storms will last, but for now, you are isolated. There, and there's a world beyond the settlement walls that is waiting to be explored. So, dear adventurer, are you brave enough or foolish enough to delve beyond the edges of the map, seeking glory and fortune? So I always heard uh, Pax Dracona instead of Pax. Said Pax. Yeah. In Roman history class, he said Pax, but who made he may not have known. No, no, no. Pax like Pox. <laughs> like Pax Dracona. <laughs> that sounds like some Harry Potter shit. Yeah, right. Dracon- Draconia. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, dragon warts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dragon warts. <laughs> oh my! I gave you a case of dragon warts. Yeah, yeah. I got itches on my lizard, yo. <laughs> oh, that's a different <laughs> I got itches on me lizard and I wish they do it now. <laughs> I'll, I'll actually explain what elevator scritchins are to you later. All right. <laughs> the difficulties that I'm running into currently are A. I'm trying to figure out how much I actually need to build the world before the players set foot into it, both broad brushstrokes and fine detail. Um, I've been known to, in rough detail anyway, attempt to work out things such as trade routes and environmental ranges of creatures and monsters while building previous settings. Sorry, Canada. Um, <laughs> I, like, I like settings that are internally consistent and grounded in some level of realism such that the fantastical doesn't then break the world. B. How do I handle potential, the potential and inevitable level XP discrepancies between those who can play often and those who cannot. I'm considering awarding a certain amount of XP just for playing in a session and then a smaller portion of that XP to those not playing in the session with the narrative justification that they are in town training or something of the like. Advice on dealing with these issues as well as general advice on running a sandbox exploration game and managing drop-in, drop-out players, groups, would be greatly appreciated. Sean from uh, New Jersey, a.k.a. Askew Dragon, on the forum. P.S. Obligatory P.S. P.P.S. Obligatory Childish Snickering About P.P. P.P. P.S. Okay, this it's for, okay for real this time. Max reading of my last missive was utterly fantastic and hilarious. Uh, I have to keep in mind in my next game that I have a Dear Happy Jack's Forum story to write in with. Excellent. Uh, P-P-P-P-S. Here's a link to include in the show notes about the Western Marches campaign format. And I'll put that in the show notes. If I remember. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, I w- first thing, I want to talk, talk about sandbox games. Because there's a thing about sandbox games that kind of annoys me. 
I don't think most games that are called sandbox games are sandbox games. Mm. Okay. Explain. You're gonna have to, you have to do some prep when you're building a world. I mean, assu- assuming uh, assuming you're not like really good at just improvising things like that. So, so a sandbox to me is here is a blank slate. Do what you want to do. Okay. You come up with your own plot hooks. Right. The way I see it, if I give you a plot hook, that's not a sandbox. This is true. That's the way I look at it, at least. Um, Do you see what I'm saying? That's one of the things that I really like about Apocalypse World, is that very specifically they talk about what gives players motivation to do things, like internal or external, based mm-hmm. on what player books they have, so that they know like, kind of like what uh, can motivate their character. Like, If you're in charge of a hardhold, you have like 150 people who rely on you. You need to make sure they eat. Right. Motivation. <coughs> exactly. Right? That's your. That is your own personal thing. You can go do whatever you want. Um, if, uh, but yeah, if there's a plot hook to move them somewhere, I totally agree. It's not necessary. But is there an intrinsic difference between a plot hook and a motivation? Uh, motivation can be defined by the player. I, uh, I, plot I, hook, I think, is modif- is is I, the I, GM. It's a narrative element that could be imposed by anybody. Uh, for to provide a temporary motivation, although why I think a motivation is is far more uh, encompassing is in that that's something that actually makes part of the character who he is, without really giving. Because when you have a plot hook, that's more of a goal. That's something short term. I, I find a motivation to be more formative of the character in larger terms. Um, but I actually fundamentally disagree with your definition of the sandbox. Same. Though. <clears throat> um, because uh, what I believe a sandbox is, it's it's basically just a functioning world in which your interaction with it is creates the motivations and 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 narrative elements that require your character to move through it. So it's one of those things where the character and the the the, the setting are individual items, and then they become a story when they meet. So your responsibility as a GM when you're creating a sandbox game is to create a very interesting setting and uh, and uh, culture with which oh, with, with which the character I, must interact. I I may have not <coughs> explained myself properly. I absolutely agree with that. Right. To me, the difference, and this is navel gazing, but navel gazing is fun sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, the difference between an ordinary campaign and a sandbox campaign is the GM has not determined what. What plot hooks there are? He's not giving you plot I'll hooks. Give you that. The players, the, that stuff is being determined by the players. We're going to build a pub. We're going to go out and uh, fight crime, or you know, yeah. what, they're going to go out and find their own adventure. Whereas the GM is going to present at least the initial plot hook okay. of the game. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, that makes just, sense. it's just uh, sometimes games get called sandboxes. I'm like, oh, is that really a sandbox? The thing is, with this game, you have an overall, <coughs> if you want to call it plot hook, which is exploration, exploration yeah. is, sure. is, is the basic element. But right. I'm not sure whether that's yeah. an individual plot hook or more of a theme of the I game think what he's have. talking about more is that sort of like an open world right. where well, you, you can, can go, wherever, go you wherever you want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, so normally like, campaigns just have that, like, here's a time-locked thing that you have to like make sure you're of sufficient level and get to go finish in time. But yeah, to me, like a sandbox game is just there's no pressure, but like You'll be bored to death if you don't do something, so go fucking touch that. Oh, look, that thing has a quest for you. <laughs> right. Like, to me, it feels very like uh, the TV show Westworld, where you can walk around and do whatever the fuck you want, and 
interact, like a level of interaction will present you with options and choices and right. you know, how to do whatever. Most commonly, the term sandbox is used for a lot of video games. Uh, yeah. You know, th- play th- games like Red Dead Redemption is a sandbox game. Uh, Mine- sandbox Minecraft. Games. Minecraft yeah. is a perfect example because yeah. all you're given is a setting and right. everything else is up completely up to you. Um, but I, I find that running a campaign as a sandbox can be extremely daunting for a GM just because, and especially the way that he's describing it when he's you know describing several dimensions or planets or wh- whatever. Well, it, it, it seems like now. they're stuck in one local one right, right. now. I have to say that is my fucking favorite thing <laughs> as a GM is like coming up with all this random bullshit and why it exists and how it all interacts with each other. And the choices made over here affect the choices that have, or the, the things that are down here. And the characters may only interact with the thing that's down here, but it all works together in like this yeah, fucked up machine. My only and concern, I really enjoy that. My only concern for Eskew Dragon is that with a constantly rotating player base, like that's a lot of, like, you don't have the like single-mindedness of like a core group that's going to kind of agree on the thing to do all the time. Yeah. I think you're going to come up with a lot or come up against a lot of problems of like new group, like group 1A wants to like do this thing, so prep for that and then group B, like 1B shows up and there's just enough people that are different from the first group that like take it in a different direction. So he's going to have to be hella prepared all the time. Well, and that's the thing with the what he wants to do with the sandbox is like one of the things that I think you really can do with this is kind of what you're saying is like some people are like in town training, but just have a camp, and the camp just moves, and the camp and may go to the west, the and everybody's <clears throat> in the camp, and then See, the people who are in the the, that, the the game that day go off and do whatever delve. That's what I tried to do with my traveler game, uh, Ashes of Exodus. Yeah, there was a ship, <clears throat> there was like seven or eight players. And I w- we would play whenever we had four or five, mm-hmm. so it would be different people. They were, but they were all members of the crew on the ship, mm-hmm. and it worked out great until they decided the party that was playing one session decided to abandon the ship somewhere and then travel by commercial space travel three systems away. <laughs> <laughs> right, and then Perfect. they are eaten by a group. <clears throat> right. And, uh. So my conceit to keep all of the all of the player characters, those there and not at each session together, kind of blew up. So right. I would think you probably need to have some kind of conversation beforehand saying, yeah. look, a camp. You know, mm-hmm. We have a, a, a camp with camp followers and mm-hmm. s- support and, and all of this stuff with the... Yeah. Was the tri- first thing you listed prostitutes? Camp followers aren't necessarily prostitutes. They're, uh, they're uh, all they kinds can of, be. They can be. <laughs> Among the many things... They can be Among the many goods and services no, no, no. that are provided they by can do followers. They One can of them is genitals. Find you a follower that can do both. You got it. And you've got a supply got train or, or wherever you're from. <laughs> <laughs> but let the players know, please don't abandon the camp. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. if you abandon or, the camp, it's going to get attacked yeah. by groups. Or or if you abandon the camp, then the Eat. campaign is over. Right. And, and then we'll play a different game. Yeah, but but you know, in coming up with a conceit like that is actually very useful. The only time that I've ever done anything like this is in my Conan campaign because I literally had eighteen people that wanted to play in my Conan. Yeah, mm-hmm. and not wanting to disappoint anybody, I did pretty much exactly the same thing. Whoever can show on this day when I'm available can show, and that's it. So what I had was I had them make their characters at several different levels depending on what I wanted them to do, and because of the way that. Howard organized the Conan stories and says, all right, uh, in this adventure, you guys are around 24. You're level 13, and you happen to stumble into Brythunia, and this is what's going on. 
because they're all bound, basically individual adventurers that just travel the world, and then every once in a while they meet up and they find it, and, and they find some kind of adventure. Right. Okay. Uh, and the thing about it, I didn't really do too much headache about leveling or XP or anything like that. I just told them, hey, this uh, this adventure you're level three. You're early on in your career. This is Conan as the thief. Right. And then, oh, this one you're level eighteen. This is Conan as the king. And 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 he never told the stories in chronological order. Okay. So I just followed the same format. I like that. Um, and that really l- l- relieves a lot of pressure because each individual story is its own self-contained thing, but it has those characters. But the cool thing about it is that as we started progressing, characters go, remember when we fought, when we went up into that island and there was those, the, the group of sirens? like, And they would tell stories about previous adventures. To people who weren't there. Yeah. Right. Who the other adventures awesome. that wow, weren't so there. Cool. And so tavern time turned into storytelling time where I would give people extra XP for retelling stories about previous campaigns to people that weren't there. Oh, cool. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and also making those people who weren't there want to play more games. Exactly. And also felt like they're part of the narrative as a whole because mm-hmm. everybody could share all those stories. Uh, and Plus you've also got, if there's a, like a meta plot to it, you've got more brains working on it because they have a more but complete picture. But the thing is it about 12 sessions in for them to figure out there was a meta plot. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the, the, the clues were very subtle and, 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 and very indistinct. And then, But the thing is, it, after they caught on, they really started exchanging stories because... Who knows who had an ele- who had an element of that larger story that needed to be told to the rest of the group? Right. So it really created a very cooperative group, even though they never played together all the time in the same matrix. Uh, mm-hmm. There was always in the same living world because they helped make it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and another idea that I have for this is that if you're worried about XP disparities, go ahead and have the characters write up a story about what happened to them in the interim. Uh, maybe create other uh, narrative plot hooks that you can derive from those stories to have involve other elements oh, in the sure. game in, yeah. and have them do some of the world building for you in that stead. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is just like, hey, so you're not available to play. You want some extra XP and you want to keep up with everybody else. Tell me something else that's true about the world. Right. Nice. Give mm-hmm. me some more information yeah, about it. Idea. And so everybody's involved in that and the GM doesn't feel com- the entire onus of having to build everything by himself. Right. Uh, and another thing that I did that I thought was very effective in this type of thing is that I made a character in fate for my world. Mm-hmm. I just took the, the fractal way out and I gave the world about a dozen uh, aspects. Oh, cool. Okay. That, that were divvied up into about four sections. One was, you know, uh, atmosphere and temp- atmosphere and weather type of things, uh, cultural touchstones. Another one was uh, uh, who love and hate the, the groups inside that factions that liked and disliked each other uh, and uh, troubles for the world, mm-hmm. major events and then from that fractal I just sort of like took one aspect and then spread it out depending on what story I wanted to and one of the great things about Facebook cool. See, that's, that's one of the things I love to do for world building. I like to call it like inductive building where you come up with like an idea for something like I want this here, uh, this group to be uh, meat eating elves, cool. What do, what would meat meat eating elves uh, make stuff out of? How would they do that? What would their culture revolve around? Would it just revolve around hunting? Would it revolve around like people going out and like a group staying in and making things? Like what would the uh, their situation have to be? Are they in, would they have to be in jungles so there's more living things for them to eat because they're only eating living things? And go, okay, well the oh, so they're like elves carnivores, the you think? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. they're on uh, <coughs> yeah. <laughs> they're they're, they're obligate. They're obligate. They're ripped like Jesus, though. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like once you have like that idea of obligate carnivore elves, then 
they're in a jungle and they have like certain their their focus is on certain things in their culture. Um, and then it just kind of grows from that single idea. Right. That's exactly. You and just also pick little kernels of something. Yeah. And, and you, you can expand on the history because how? Why did they end up this way? What, exactly. what was the event that caused them to? Yeah. Break? Or, or are the other ones offshoots of this group? Are right. these like more of like the Neolithic elves? Right. Like you know, but, they got sloping foreheads. That really gets on my nerves sometimes, and I call this the Star Wars effect. Is that you go to a place and it's all uniform? It's an ice planet. It's mm. a forest planet. Right. It's a jungle planet, or whatever. You know, I, I, you're yeah, trying to build a world. There's going to be lots of variance yeah. within that, uh, mm-hmm. and 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 to make it convincing, you just try to make it not so uniform. Yeah. And the last not nope, I'm getting in here, Jesus. <laughs> and the last note on the X, like the XP disparity thing. I think there's been actually like a pretty interesting conversation going around Twitter, like on TTRPG Twitter, just talking about like XP as punishment for players that can't show up, and like mm-hmm. punish. Like, I think as someone who's like hyper competitive, I totally get the idea that like you want to show up and you feel like XP is your reward for showing up and you want to make sure that you're rewarding your players. But the XP isn't the reward. The story that you guys are building together is the, is mm-hmm. the reward. That is so, true. Like honestly, I would say for everyone's sake, just fuck the XP on this. Everyone stays at the same level. I like Jim's idea about like asking something of your players that aren't there to like help build the world and increase and help them like feel yeah. involved. But I don't think there's anything gained other than like a sense of if I miss too much, then I'm so far behind I'll never show up again. You might as well not show exactly. up. Exactly. Right. So if you're trying to weed people out, yeah, use XP <laughs> as a winner. That's totally fine. <laughs> but don't let XP be. Brian can never make it for the stupid wife and kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah, I don't well, think I've ever really thought about it that way before, but it's one hundred percent true. I think. No, I mean that's why I call it Caradonistic gaming, is because it's it's it, it's in a sense it's an RPG, but the real goal is to chase the magic items and the XP. That the 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 goal is divergent from storytelling, and uh, that that's particularly not my style. But I know that it scratches some people's itch, and that's fine. But you know, if 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 you're just having players there just because they want to be level 18 and there's no other reason yeah, yeah somebody's mm-hmm. doing something wrong I think yeah. and that's just and, and that could be opinion but you know nonetheless right. that's my does it scratch it. the lizard itch <laughs> the lizard itch must be scratched vigorously and often <laughs> <laughs> so upsetting <laughs> this feels like boofing all over again because I don't know what I'm talking about but I don't want to know I should put an X card out <laughs> I think, I think um, the dragon's name is Gooch. I'm just saying. Pax <laughs> <laughs> <The> Draguchia. <laughs> to me, the biggest problem I see with the setup, especially having players coming in and out of the game, and the fact that it's an exploration game, is when players start seeing, okay, we found this interesting place. Oh, there's a mountain over there. We want to go to that mountain. One group is just going to be gone if they have enough supplies, and maybe that's the limiting factor. Maybe you, you can only carry only carry enough supplies for however long you're going to go out. I'm assuming he's lo- he's looking he's looking mostly at at uh, episodic games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and that fair. is that is the most important thing I think when you have a revolving cast. And epi- but episodic, I guess episodic and and 
No, it does, because, I mean, that's what you had with the original Star Trek series. It was episodic and exploratory. Mm-hmm. So you can do it. You just but need a ship. But they're in a ship, right? <laughs> you you got to make... You, that's the big thing. You've got to keep them all together. You need a land ship. You need a magical a land giant ship. giant land yacht. Yeah. <laughs> I have no problems with this. Please put a giant land yacht in. Yeah. With a team of, like, 6,000 bison. Right. So many bison. Like, what, what's the big, the big thing in the... Beginning of Star Wars, the guys that are stealing all the droids. Never heard of it. Sandcrawler? Yeah, the big giant sandcrawler or something like that. Yeah, that'd be great. Dune crawler. Yeah, <laughs> like the Bagger 288. Right. Yeah. Or so. like the, that big walking monstrosity <laughs> in uh, John Carter and Mars. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I've not seen that. Good. It's it's fun to watch. Just don't oh, compare sorry. it to the actual nomination. You know, I watched, <laughs> I watched a movie yesterday. It's called The Witch. It came out 2005, I think. Uh, the story itself is okay. It's very interesting until it gets to the end, and it's like, really? Because it's kind of a like 16th century American New England witch story. Okay, okay. But there's, and I've seen two films that have done this. They've like, okay, we're going to talk about basically the witch trials yeah, yeah, or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. But we're going to actually have real evil witches in it. Of course. And I'm like, that's a lot of things, <laughs> right? But this one, I, I gotta say. As a period piece, the language, the accents were fucking phenomenal. Nice. If you were going to run a 16th century New England game, that Don't? film is your no. That that film is that's your study guide okay. for, for language. Nice. It is freaking fantastic, and of course they're all very incredibly deeply devout people. But they don't all really, really grok the whole thing. Of course, you know. But it, it is a it, it's fantastic. Uh, up until the end, when it's like, huh? Oh, well, they're, they're all flying away. <laughs> but, Weird. But, but, but up until I, then, it should be the dudes who are the witches. No, no, like no. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but the 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 um, it was it's a super gritty, very realistic. It's about a little family that moves away from their town because they basically have a. a uh, a religious schism with them. They're like, you guys aren't following the word of God, so <laughs> me and my family are going to leave. And they're living out isolated, and it's creepy as fuck. Nice. And but I mean, the, the language in it is amazing. And the guy who pl- who plays the father has this amazing voice. It sounds like he gargled with, gargled with lie. <laughs> but he sort of talks like this the entire time. Oh my god! But it, he doesn't sound Russian. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay, not to be for that. But back on point. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. What was that about? <laughs> is, is that um, I think that you might have two good but slightly incompatible ideas. That's what I'm. Um, I, I think that the exploration motif is great, but trying to keep the same motivation for one group of characters consistent to another group of random characters throughout may be difficult. So you might want to consider making the episode self-contained. So they, d- so from beginning to end, they discover one thing and explore one thing, and it's self-contained. Because I'm thinking you might have some problems with throughput between one session and another if you have a radical change in your group of characters. So I would be really careful with that. Let's just hope it's like multiple squads. So like right. squad one is exploring the mountain, and squad two ideal. is like, fuck it, let's find water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that would if like it's mix and match, yeah, it's got to be. Go over here, yeah. come back to the base. Go over here, come right. back to the base. And how many sessions do you, when you're trying to run something episodic like that, do you realize you, you've gotten through three and a half, four or five hours, and you realize, well, we're only really about halfway through it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're shit. gonna have to do a second session. Shit. Who can everyone make the second yeah. session? Right. And, I, and, then, no, and suddenly you your, your whole concept yeah. is blown. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, just great, a great idea, honestly. But I, I, I execution is going to be difficult, and I give you all the props in the world for giving it a try. I want to play. Um, one, I'll play. One thing that I, <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, one thing I learned a long time ago, at least with my player base, is do your sandbox anyway, even if you have a plot book, plot hook. Because yeah. I personally think that one of the thing a player should do is, like, if. Uh, plot hook doesn't completely or doesn't grok with your motivation at all, you'll probably go with your motivation. Usually. And so players who have those strong ideas of what their characters would do tend to go off the rails. And that's what, like, my Traveler game. Session one, off the rails. Right. Like, oh, no, we're not going <laughs> to... Yeah, we're... Uh, I, w- I just figured that they'd have the ship and they'd like a small little trading ship and they'd do they'd have like these little adventures an episodic thing and nope nope they're gonna start a war they're gonna start a, a civil war in one culture and then a war between that culture and two other cultures with and then try and get two other cultures into it perfect and I'm like all right well that's the game cool yes. are we but allowed to talk oh, go ahead. no oh no if if I hadn't done all of the work into all of those cultures because I wrote probably like thirty thousand words for this uh, right. back nice. for my initial document. Um, I I don't think it would have been nearly as engaging or interesting. Right. But, you know, I... I oh, Aubrey, you had some... Sorry, my quick question was, are we allowed to talk about future campaigns for Happy Jacks? Sure. Cool. Well, I'll, you can make your point go, and I'll talk. No, go for it. Go for it. Uh, so, we've got an upcoming game of D&D coming down the pipeline and I am in the middle of a sandbox life because it's, a, it's based in Waterdeep and I want my character... Like, oh, I want my players to feel like Anywhere you go in Waterdeep, like, it will be just fucking late. Like, go for it. So I'm about <laughs> 17,000 words. Like, yeah. yeah, bring it. Fucking go wherever you want in this. Like, I'm just coming in with a map. Like, do it. Do whatever you want. There is a term for that. <laughs> yeah, and, right? And it's called a gazetteer. The Greyhawk one was it's fantastic. It's a very common big, RPG. Huge map. Big, huge map. Uh, so what you're looking at is creating a gazetteer. Okay. And, and uh, in, in a lot of ways, it could be very daunting. But... What if you really look at a lot of the traditional ones that you see in first, second edition D anD D and a bunch of other games, is that it doesn't really go into a lot of depth. What it does, it gives you about five or six interesting locations, one or two interesting NPCs, and an overall map of of, of locations in a large scope of area, without a lot of story and just a, a very slight overview of the culture within that place. You've got to give yourself enough room to react to what the players do. If you if you meticulously build every single thing, uh, you know, you're gonna pr- you're gonna put a lot of energy on into it, and then sooner or later you're gonna get disappointed because the characters are not gonna move in that direction. That's or things true. Aren't gonna go right. So you know, I think that a session by session rebuild of 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 your world view or your view overview of, of the world is necessary, but keep it broad at the beginning, and then let the narrative that your characters are building with you, because this is cooperative, uh, sort of inform the the final result of that world. So don't pin yourself too hard down on a lot of things. Be flexible. Like I keep telling everybody in role-playing games, be like water. You have to adapt to what's going on, because you're talking to between seven to eight people trying to make a story together. If you're not flexible about what th- what's going on with that, you're just losing uh, 
or you're just going to give up things that you really wanted to be in the game to, to appease somebody else, and that builds resentments. But no, just, just be cool about being open to a lot of suggestion for your, from your players. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. Don't overdo it, and be flexible to their input. That was some sage fucking advice. I'm actually going to disagree with that a little. Oh, God! Yes. No! I'm going to disagree with that. Um, I'm going to have to let him beat me up. I think <laughs> I agree with that idea of be flexible of like what the players are doing, but I think getting down into, like, okay, this is this gang's territory. This is this gang's territory. This is the head of this gang. This is why they do their stuff. This is how they make their money. Like, that, all of that is very interesting stuff that actually can, can show cultural differences between different gangs in mm-hmm. the same town. But that's a lot more work than just naming a gang and well, stepping more, away. But he's talking about, like, a w- the whole world I think it, if you have a your, your, your starting location, you're going to have more detail about your. Oh starting yeah, yeah, yeah. Location. I'm, I'm just you know talking I mean? about you know. But you, you may. But have, I don't, you, I'm you saying may I don't think detail in locations and who's there is bad. Oh no, not at all. No, not at all. But I'm, you, I'm, 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 I'm saying having that. like a disagreement but, on granularity. But, no, but yeah, 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 yeah. But, but the, the thing right. is, you you got to prioritize how much wh- what you're going to do with the time you have to prep. Yeah. So yeah. if you, if if you're in this nation in this city. You're going to develop that city and that nation, and you're going to kind of start to figure out the stuff around it. But like the other nation way over here, you might just have some sort of vague ideas about how they interact, but they ain't going to get there right away. You should have, unless you know, you should have an idea how they're going to interact in a, in a large scale. But until the players actually reach contact with that, you're basically burning calories for nothing at that point. Right. Man, you guys need to do more cardio. <laughs> <laughs> I do two hours of cardio a day, and during that time, I'm thinking about role-playing games. <laughs> So I got ten hours a day locked away, Look, all I'm or ten saying, hours a week locked away. As I spent <laughs> two months building this dwarven stronghold <laughs> and detailing the character, the, the the nature of the culture, all these things, I had things about their language that only the royal names were were, were printed in circles because circles were harder to carve in stone. Ooh. Like high <laughs> level of detail, yeah. okay. And my player characters went there, spent a couple of days, were disinterested, and left. Amazing, yeah. That's you know, and I and so I'm, I'm sitting there with these pages and pages of notes and the stuff that I love, and I went, uh, and then they went off and did something else, yeah. and I got over it. But you know, <laughs> I felt bad at the end of it. So there I'm is saying. something to say for like certain people are feel more comfortable. Like if I have a world that I feel like I've built out enough and I have enough notes on that it feels real to me, that I'll it'll allow me to improv better in the moment. Like mm-hmm. that's just a DM style. Like mm-hmm. some people are. Just like I'm not going to prepare ever and improv at all, and everyone's got a Russian accent. Good luck. <laughs> right. <laughs> trying something like this is me trying something different for once, but I think it's just a matter of like make sure you feel comfortable walking into the situation. Right. Whatever. As long as you have a good idea of how yeah. uh, the world is going to react to the way the players act exactly. in a logical sense, you're fine. Uh, the minutia a lot of times is great and it adds a lot of vivid color to your story. But sometimes can be unnecessary because the other people at the table might have different ideas of what they're going to do. Sure. Well, we should move on. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is turning into a huge one point. One point. One point. I think having like the minutia and the I- ideas of where things are help with improv. Just like if you know the rules backwards, forwards, and inside out, you make shit up on the fly because right. you, you know how the numbers work. Same with your world. If you know like the the ideas behind your world. Then, absolutely. Like, if there's a country that you don't think they're ever going to go to, and suddenly they go to the uh, embassy of that country, 
you know, you're going to need to make some shit up or have right. had some sort of so foundation. If you already have an idea of it, right. or you've already done some work on it, you know, you had an extra hour of cardio to do, right. uh, then. Uh, but you know, it's, it's make, already done. That does make it you less flexible it. in the long run, though, because you will always have an idea of how, of how something works, and that locks the players out of the process of building the world with well, you. My whole theory is, as long as you know the motivations, yeah. that's all you need to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. How much how much actual gold pieces are sitting in that bank is irrelevant. But you know that they want to keep that money in there, and you know somebody <laughs> wants to take it out. And that's the important part. That's right. true. That's true. <laughs> By the way, Blood, Blade, and Tusk, because I've consolidated all of the various books into one document. 67,000 words and 160 pages mm. so far. How many changes? Because Is that more for me to read now? No, there's not a lot of changes. Okay. There's, there, there's been a I lot like, of additions. I like reading the updates. Okay. This is a good game, by the way. There's it's a, yeah. nice. There's, uh, we're going uh, to play again this Sunday rather than yeah. L5R because there's someone missing. Yeah, I just saw the name of the game. Blood, Blade, and Tusk. How can I not watch it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, 17,000 words? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've got miles to go before I fucking sleep. <laughs> I'm so excited to watch that. <laughs> I wish I was in that game. <laughs> I a, come in and when someone's missing, I'll, yeah. kick, I'll kick someone in the knee. <laughs> yeah. Bring you in. A rebuttal on two-player D&D campaigns from Drail88. Who would like to read this? I'm all, all right, here. Go. <clears throat> Dear greeting... Oh, I just... I, start, I started badly, so maybe I should not. <laughs> Greetings, Jackers. <laughs> Recently in Season 22, Episode 13, someone said, Do not play D&D for two people. It won't work. Now, I, I, I question whether someone actually said that definitively, unless Stork was here. Let's go back to the tape. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's an odd one, so it's probably, it was one that I was on. Oh, maybe you. Maybe it was you. Maybe uh, did you say it? I don't oh, no! If I said that, does it feel that. like a thing you said? I, I, I mean, I make definitive statements like that all I, the time. I skipped something. Someone, uh, Master Vidar, suggested as far as like XP and leveling go for the last email. Uh, his preference is to hand out levels when he thinks it's appropriate. Oh, I like so that. So, like, we're going to play four games. Everyone's level two. We're going nice. to play four more Take games. Take out the math. Level. Right. Makes things mm-hmm. easier. Right. Speaking of which, chat. Someone go find episode 13. Figure out who said D&D wouldn't do it. Watch. It's me. We're gonna put is it 20, it's 2213? 2213. 22 right do now. it. No, you should be listening. <laughs> no, go ahead. Be an active listener. <laughs> to thee, I say, a pox on your head, for thou art a coward in the face of a beast. Put in the work, people. Come on. Yeah, right. Uh, but in all seriousness, that's a nightmare. That was, <laughs> and it smells. Oh, Good oh. job. Mm, if I smell that, that we're gonna fight. Worse than a fart. Uh, <laughs> I know it isn't. You know what? It was a gas station hot dog. <laughs> oh, <laughs> gas station hot dog face fart. No good. We keep uh, it. Next time, next time, eat street meat. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, what gives me the worst is the the Polish sausage you get at Costco. Oh yeah, they mess me up with the. Burgers. I mean, I will get those every time I go to garlic, Costco. Yeah, that's my motivation to go well, inside yeah, Costco. Yeah, like a buck. Yeah. yeah. Just Sweet. give me a dozen of those. But in all seriousness, <laughs> that is bull. For the last almost two years, I have been part of and ran multiple D&D 5e games that have been almost exclusively two players. And what I have discovered in, is that the story is more meaningful, the adventure is higher risk and higher reward. And most of all, it's easier to play. There's no waiting on five people to show up on, at one time. There's no having to find a big enough place to play. Small games are amazing. Not better than big group games, not worse. But saying that you shouldn't run a small group in D&D is the lazy way out. If you, as the DM, can't figure out, hmm, ten, ten kobolds against a fighter and a cleric, maybe I should change that, then the problem isn't with the system, it's with the person running it. 5e is easy. Running a game is a challenge in any system, but running a game well isn't limited to games outside of D&D. Rant over. Drail 88 out. 
P.S. If this gets read and not the success story I sent before, I give up. Y'all heathens only want nightmares and despair. Well, J.K., I love you all in this fucking movie. <laughs> uh, let, me t- let me tell you, because I'm old and my memory is terrible, we actually read that email twice. We read it last se- last episode and the episode before. <laughs> we realized it about halfway through the second <laughs> That's time. Amazing. Kenny's like, this is familiar. It's happened <laughs> it's happened like four times throughout the entire time good. of the show. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. And also and this dude got lunch, dinner, and dessert, man. Let me <laughs> let me good. let me tell you from the survey so far, people like nightmares a whole lot more than they like success stories. I mean, that's that fair. doesn't mean we won't include success stories. Yeah. Have you watched the news lately? But <laughs> people want the, the, the nightmares. It was like, do you love it? And the line is like that tall. It's like huge. It's like through the roof. <laughs> and then, do you like it? And it's like half the size. And then, meh. And then, like a couple people hate it. But then you look at success stories, and it's like the the lines of love it and like it are like almost the same, and about half <laughs> of the of the yeah, horror story. That's line. fair. So. Schadenfreude is a thing. Well, and also you learn from mistakes, and yes. learning from other people's mistakes is the best way to learn. And it gives also a make your success laugh. stories fucking interesting. Yeah. I don't want you to just <laughs> His was so interesting. We read it twice. There you go. <laughs> then you did it. Dude, the favorite one we I ever read was the one where the guy had like the, the linguist comment on how language affects things, and he had that. The, the oh, traveler yeah. game with the cat people and the, the he had to figure out how the cat computer was going to interact with the human. Crew. And he had a buddy who was like a linguist or something like that. Yeah, so like, oh, this is this. Yeah, and it just, just old went <sighs> into depth and how it went. Thing, totally mind blowing. Mm-hmm. But no, D and D cannot play, be played with two people. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Next question. <laughs> just fucking uh, rude. <laughs> well, I have, so I have just many a fact about this. But <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I, no, 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 no. You can go, Tabby. I don't think there's anything wrong with playing it with, with two people, I think. Now, 5th edition, I've only run one game of it, uh, and it wasn't that long. It was only like 20 sessions. But when, <laughs> when I ran uh, the 4th edition game, which I think went longer than that, uh, that would be hard to run, if you, depending on what the character choices are. Well, I, I think that is the... Depending uh, on the if you're running a tradition right in D&D game. Well, I'm talking about fourth. Well, that's true too. Yes. The, the trouble with like D and D and two players is that it is, in its heart of hearts, and its very core of the system, a war of attrition. It's point attrition, and you want their hit points to run out before your hit points run out. Right. And so the but easiest talking about way combat specifically. Yes. That's only in combat. Well, yeah, right. but that's really what you're. I mean, combat is a huge part of D and D. Yes. I mean, that's really what we're focusing on. All you gotta on do is look at a character sheet there's to know. Yeah. Right. I mean, or, the name of it is at, not like Conversations yeah. in Tavern. <laughs> 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 Although I played um, that game. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the board game aspect, the tactical combat aspect, is a yeah. huge part of D&D. And one of the reasons why it's more difficult to play with two players in D&D than it is in, uh, say, Apocalypse World. You know, it's a lot. Because of how that that combat system is set up, that tactical combat system. So when you're doing attrition, the, one of the easiest ways, and this is obvious to everybody, I'm being super pedantic right now, um, uh, but it, I think it proves my point. Yeah, right. Um, the easiest way is to keep your levels high while their levels drop is have a healer. Right. So the easiest way to be successful in a D and D game of two people is have one of them play the healer. Right. Actually, and then that 
two clerics were strikes. Fuck healers. Yeah. You know, oh, two but, but, you're, work, yeah. but you're very limited in those those choices because now you got to make sure that the cle- that the healer doesn't die. Well, then you have to have a character that has a high enough hit point pool that it can be pushed up again by the um, by the cleric. That it can't be have like burst damage take it down to dead uh, before the the healer can do something. Right. So then you're limited again in your choices. You know, you can have a paladin or a fighter. You can instead have like two rogues or a bard and a wizard, of course, but it's a lot easier to lose those games. You're going to have more of like kind of what he says, big successes and big losses, and you're really kind of most likely going to play until your characters die. Well, I think that one of the things that I gleaned off of this is is running a game is a challenge in any system, but running a game well isn't limited to games outside of D&D. And I think that is the most telling sentence in this entire thing, where I I think that the preconception is that the meta for Dungeons & Dragons is finite, and you have to have your three roles of DPS, damage taking, and damage healing represented in a group for it to function correctly within the D&D meta. And mechanically speaking, yeah, sure, if you're running around classic Dungeons and Dragons, true. But really... Yeah, if you're having three to five combat encounters per session or whatever the, the design assumption is. If you're running a game that frankly isn't super combat intensive and the G- and the dungeon master is very good at formulating the encounters to fit the strengths and weaknesses of a character it'll work just fine. Yeah. Uh, because really, when, when you strip it down, it's just a, it's really just a role-playing game, and you get to decide what you want to focus on it me- on mechanically and what you want to have your characters do with it. Exactly. Also, I have fucking run a two-person. I made it a buddy cop. And it was... <laughs> yeah, it was a bard and a barbarian. Made no fucking sense. Just slapped a bunch of like potions of healing on them to deal with the lack of heals, and just mm-hmm. sent them oh, on yeah, their merry fucking yeah. way. Yeah. And like it's su- and by the way, for what it's worth, a bard and a barbarian is just Chris Hart or Kevin Hart and Dwayne the Rock, Rock Johnson, yeah. and yeah. it was perfect and wonderful. <laughs> so, like once again, yes, D and D is built to be very much a combat system, but I think the beauty of D and D for people who do like it, and this is an anti D and D table, I what? see you guys. <laughs> Is that? Oh yeah, no, I, I will agree. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I is that it's combat heavy, yeah. but like, its beauty is in the you. moments that you are like the moments you're able to breathe outside the combat. And I think there's something cathartic too, like living in a system that is battle heavy, and then like making the most of the moments that aren't. That's like why action comedies are like as bankable as they are. And I think two person, like, it's just a Kevin Hart Chris. Like the rock vehicle, just play that. It's fine. Do it. It's very good. Absolutely, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and and I mean, look, my my buddy Mike, his uh, son just turned nine. He wants to play D anD D. So he calls me and my wife. Hey, you guys want to come over and play with Buddy because he wants to play with the people that he knows. Awesome. I'm like, of course. And I'm doing that for my other friend Mitch, doing the same thing. That's but he so goes, good. he goes, all right. You got any ideas for a character concept? And I'm on the train. I'm like, yeah, sure. I want to play a mogul, which is a frogman. Yeah. And he plays a banjo, and he's on a quest to find the rainbow connection. <laughs> <laughs> he's dating a female orc, Why? and his right, best friend is a bugbear who wants to be a stand-up comic. <laughs> very good. <laughs> That's very good. He's a bard, and I don't expect him to do anything spectacular. But it's going to be a fun game yep. with a couple of people, and it's going to be interesting and neat. And and you know that's <laughs> the angle that I'm going at it is just sort of be fun for this kid, have make him fall in love with the role playing hobby, 
because I, 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 I don't think that a child is going to fall in love with no but you have plus 10 hit points if you go with his feet yeah exactly <laughs> uh, they're not going to they're not going to grab onto it and my big theory is if you can't make an 8 year old fall in love with it you, your role playing game is wrong accurate mm-hmm. excellent <laughs> Sorry. No more games or dogs for you. You sat me uh, in the right place. No there. more mm-hmm. AMPM hot dogs. And, and they were the smoky, cheesy ones, too. Yeah. <laughs> you lost That's the, the things that my wife says. This is what I'm putting it stop to after we're married. What? You're not eating at 7 Eleven anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, I didn't realize I had that power. This is a step down. This is AMPM. AMPM. <laughs> the 7 Elevens in Japan are so good. Oh uh, so fuck Japan 7-Eleven. It's all about Lawson, son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Throwing that shit down. What's right Lawson's? Now. It's like the 7-Eleven, like... Piggly Wiggly is all oh, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Never heard of it. Is it where is it? Is it Stuckies is good. Yeah, too. it's just all over Japan. Oh, really? Oh, so, yeah. like, 7-Elevens are actually, like, pretty nice there, and Lawson's are, like, their big competitor. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Sorry, I was just... So what, what is the food at 7-Eleven? Yeah. I'm curious now. Fucking um, delicious. Yeah, they have, like, um, the onigiris. They have, like... Yeah. Uh, like places they get like hot steam buns, like out of the all snacks. Okay. Yeah, so they have like eight hundred kinds of like fucking cup of noodle. Right oh, next yeah. to my right next to my house, <laughs> the, they open up this like Seven Eleven ish. It's called Long Beach Convenience Store. It's open up twenty four hours. Exact same concept, and they have the hot dogs and thing. Like, right. But it's run by this these uh, these people from India. So they have these freaking samosas. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I will fight for a samosa. I'm pretty sure I married my husband just and so I could be closer to vegetarian samosas. samosas. And you can tell that because oh. I, I can I, if I show up early yeah. in the morning, I can get them because they disappear afterwards. It's probably yeah. somebody's mom that just makes right. Them. Yeah, they're freaking amazing. And I'm going, this is the best convenience store meal I've ever had. <laughs> and they go, here, try this. You, you want to buy one of these? And, and I'm like. I'll take two, please. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you have the little like chutneys? Uh, yep. The two different varieties. Yeah. They have like a mango green. one and a mint one. Yeah. yeah. Green mint, red and sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so good. Sweet. Also, just to say, like, yeah, you may be burping a lot, but that buttery voice, it might be worth it. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. just a little devil's advocate there. Like, maybe keep that shit up. <laughs> Shoving low-cost wieners in his mouth improves exactly. his voice. <laughs> you may have broken into something. I'm going to send it out to all my VO friends. All right, here's two. This is free. <laughs> Thank uh, you, Drail88, for the email. Any, any, yeah. Anything else about 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 it? You or? run D&D the way you want it, and it's yeah. all awesome, as long as mm-hmm. your players are having fun. You got this, yeah. man. Fuck anybody else's opinion. And Except how. mine. <laughs> <laughs> because you know what armor class hit point attrition fuck that shit I love it it's my favorite yep. like I, I play, more, I play I, 140k I, for that I'm kidding that, but that, I'm that, that I like a little fiber goodness. in my diet every now and then just give me like a good crunchy game to be like I'm gonna run the numbers yeah that's what I love Shadow Run for that was my like I totally like wedge all the numbers in Shadow Run because it's the best thing to do <laughs> I you're, the, you're working on a Shadowrun game to run. Yeah, right. yeah, I'm working on Shadowrun. It's super crunchy. Right. Yeah, extra. I, I, Twilight 2000 crunchy? No. Or you need a slide rule? <laughs> Legitimately? <laughs> figure out uh, grenade <laughs> deviation or something? Yep. Um, Did you ever pay, play Starfleet Battles? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. With the 30... So many 30 charts. line impulse chart thing. So many uh, charts. It's a bo- that it's sounds a, fucking awful. It's, it's, a star, it's a Star Trek ship combat board game. Like a war game. Oh. Sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Twilight 2000 that had three pages on how sailing ships work. <laughs> I'm going to choose to reimagine that Twilight 2000 was just about the Twilight games or movies. Books? Books. What are they called? Yeah, just Sparkle Vampire. No, after you read your 2000s rules, yeah, Twilight for cute. you. It's <laughs> 
I would play that. In like, in like the kindergarten playground. Swear, I want to make adorable. rule quest. Rule quest. Rule quest. The, the, the ac- <laughs> part of the actual thing is you gain XP for finding the rule in the book. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, yes, but they used the rule master <laughs> system for that, so it's really hard. <laughs> right. And no PDFs, and they're not, or if there are, no, they're when, not when Paul and I were designing, it was a 10D100 system. <laughs> he rolled from 2 to 10D100 for every resolution. <laughs> well, well, Fatal uses the D1000. Oh, god, it uses god. three D10s to, to get. And the amount yeah. of time it took for all the D100s to finish rolling was actually part of the end result of the time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's and like then rolling you realized one ball. was an everlasting gobstopper. No, it was like, just, we were sitting there, we were bored, and he, he just graduated from college as a logistician and was delivering pizza, irony. Uh, and yeah. we were just sitting at his dad's house, bored, and we were like, let's try to make the most complex freaking game we possibly can. And we just kept piling rolls. It's we a prog like, rock of roleplay games. Yeah, a little <laughs> 500 pages of bullshit. It was amazing. All right. Nice. Con game sequels from Tad in Kansas. Tad. I'll read it. All right. Oh, I probably it's my turn. I I stopped paying attention. <laughs> There's only three emails, so. Okay, you should do it. Hey, Happy Jacks. I've run games at my local con, Tsunami Con, Tsunami the con. last couple of years. This year, I thought I'd like to revisit some of the pre-gen characters I've made and do sequels for a couple of the previous games. Well, the epilogues I got from the PCs in one pointed in a, uh, in one pointed in a strong enough direction the sequel pretty much writes itself for the other I'm a bit I'm in a bit of a loss I know you've done a lot of con game series in the past like big blue monkeys and freak show uh, and wonder what sorts of approaches to sequels have worked for you should the plot be more or less connected to the previous one explore something in the PC's background etc this might be equivalent to asking for the URL of the Ideas server in the New, Jer- in New Jersey, but I figured it was still worth asking. I think the URL for the Ideas server was offshore of New Jersey. I don't think it was actually in New Jersey. I think it was on a offshore. It wasn't stevejacksongames.com, and that's yeah. where you <laughs> give them your idea for a GURPS book. Right. No, <laughs> ideas, no ideas survived contact with New Jersey. I think no. that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's very good. Uh. <laughs> now, I, I, I've run uh, Big Blue Monkeys from Outer Space was the uh, sort of pulp thing I ran, and I ran Dead it. Dead Presidents is right. That's huge. another one too. Yeah. Uh, although Dead Presidents is usually different c- player characters every time because mm-hmm. there's a, there's forty some presidents, but um, in Big Blue Monkeys I made the exact same characters. That there were six characters. And they, there is a rivalry built in between them. There's uh, the Americans and the British, and each has a captain. But depending on which ship they're on, one of one or the other is in charge. Those two characters were, were mechanically identical, except for like like one variant. And then they each had two people on their side, and there was lots of inner party conflict. Plus, they would go out and fight stuff and all that crap. Um, I never really thought of them as sequels; more more like episodes. You know what I mean? Okay. Because mm-hmm. the what happened previously didn't affect what happened later on. It's like in this in this adventure they're going to go to the, some moon around Saturn and and to a banana plantation where the uh, where these giant blue monkeys have like mind control helmets on and they're being forced to pick them and then when the machine breaks they suddenly realize the guy who employed all of the big blue monkeys didn't realize that monkeys like bananas. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's when I had the, it was it was it was a four hour shaggy dog story with a it was like the what was it the the aristocrats 
Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it was it was nice. it was a I four hour Shaggy Dog story with a shit punchline. That's very good. <laughs> That's very good. But but I know that Freak Show <laughs> uses the same characters. But then again, I yeah. think it's episodic. It's not. They're not sequels necessarily. My concern. If someone else was talking, go ahead. I just want to jump in really quick because I only have one tiny thing to say about this because I've never run a con game, so I don't really have a lot. But of you will at the next con, right? Okay. Yeah. <gasps> you like will it. at the next That's con, very, right? Okay. Right. He's the guy that organizes. The I know. <laughs> so I'm like trying not to make eye contact right now. <laughs> Like I'll go and I'll be I'll run late for it, but yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> it's all right. Um, Kimmy runs late for it every single know, time and always does it. I will say though that I like I think that's an important distinction. If you want to call it like a sequel, I think there should be somewhere where you like kind of log like the history of these characters. Like I would like to. I think it would be pretty cool if I like knew I was going to go play in one of these games to like read what that character's done so far. So well, like, you step idea. into the role and you're like, mm. okay, I know everything that like character X has done up until this point. So like it's kind of informing like what I want to do next. And you get this part of like you get this like feeling of legacy mm-hmm. where you are part of the thing that's like built this character instead of just like I'm gonna come here and do whatever and it doesn't matter that's pre-gen because none of that means anything to me because I exist only in this moment. Right. Cool, that's it. Okay. <laughs> and for those people that say that it removes my agency if all my character background is already done for me, go eat a bullet dicks. Just all, like a party bowl. Mm, all of those. <laughs> well, see, it's a con game. Get over it. What I what I what I've been doing at con games lately. I don't name the characters. I don't come up with their personalities or anything like that. I just give them the stats. Yeah. And it's like you flesh the character out and tell me who it is and what their problems are and stuff. It's the best way I, to do I just it. Don't care because then you don't have to go through character generation, but somebody mm-hmm. still gets to do something with the character. That's right. On the right. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind if I have a character already written out because well, it's like you're. Getting a role, you're like, okay, yeah, exactly. well, how am I going to act in this role? Right. So, I mean, you still make it your own. Yeah. Uh, I would like to just repeat everything Ambria said because it is what I would say was going to say, but way better. No. I, I like, like seriously, like to be able to, to see what happened before and yeah. build off it. That'd be dope as fuck. That'd be awesome. You could do it on a blog or something like that, yeah. and and I, then just put yeah. the URL in when you yeah, exactly you sign up for the game. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah. shit, yeah, it's fantastic. a thing. But also, one of the great things is to just. Let's say if there was, if in your previous game there was a big climactic ending, set the next game at the aftermath of that climactic mm-hmm. ending, so you can start the game going, and then the world ended, and you're here. Right. <laughs> That's you know? always very fun uh, too. And, yeah. and so you could, if you set the stakes at the very end of your initial game high and make it into a big sort of thing, you could turn it into the beginning of a next game very easily because you're already sen- setting stakes and you're already setting uh, a goal for the characters, which which is either to continue on with what happened or try to stop or fix what happened. Right. Yeah. Now Stork's in the chat room. And he says that Freak so- Show was episodic. But I found that people uh, return and want to play the characters they played before, s- sort of making their own sequel. Okay. So, and, and if it's a too. small convention, that very well might happen. Yeah. Especially if they had a good time in the last game. They're like, oh, so-and-so's running that again. I'm going to sign up again. I mean, congratulations. You're just in the world's longest campaign. Right. That's yeah. all yeah. you're doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we only play three times a year. Yeah. Uh, right. Well, in this 12. case, Tsunami Con, once a year. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yay, Tsunami Con! Yay, Tsunami We've had 30 sessions. We've lost three players. <laughs> to death. <laughs> right. <laughs> to old But I think... Very good. Now, I, I, other experiments I've heard of that I think are very interesting 
is the idea of having two uh, adjoining sessions, not adjoining, what would be the... Consecutive sessions, where people can sign up for both, have that option, and you can run (coughs) this game and then a sequel... You know, in a second session or the next day or something. One of the really interesting oh. things is John Wick did was he ran a World of Dew game. And What's World a, of Dew? It's basically a Rokugan in his own version. He did like a new version of a Japanese okay. RPG mm-hmm. game. Now, World of Dew was, was Ben Warner's uh, version of it, which is the underworld. Uh, it does it, non-samurai. It's basically just non-samurai player characters in that world okay. doing things like illegal things. Mm-hmm. And he had blood and... Yeah, the samurai game was named differently. But what he did was he ran a World of Dew game, and then he ran another game, and those two games informed the LARP that came up afterwards, nice. and the LARP was the immediate sequel to what happened in those two role-playing games. So all the combat-heavy kind of like stuff that's really easy to do with rolling dice, he did at the beginning, set up the, the court situation that oh, did the end and like did the that. LARP at, after that, cool. which was cool. absolutely fantastic. He is, that's awesome. That, that guy is such a good storyteller. He's a fantastic storyteller. He's, he's, he's a fun. nut bar, but he is such a good storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> I love him to bits. Uh, actually, I'm so happy that he constantly comes to our convention just because he just produces such great games. Yeah. But, uh, now, is that related to Blood and Honor? Or is it Blood and Honor is the, is the samurai game, and then World yeah. of Do is the okay. non-samurai version Got it. Of it that okay. Bill Warner right. mm-hmm. wrote with him. And is, it's a great game, actually. Is Blood and Honor the one where if you get hit by a katana, you die? Pretty much, yes. Yeah. Isn't that how everything works? Well, <laughs> yes. The, some versions of L, or editions of L5R, it doesn't really work that way. Okay. Um, the newest one really doesn't. But uh, first edition... You talk, you're talking about FFG version? Yeah. Yeah, FFG yeah. version, it's a Bataka bat. Yeah. You know what Bataka bat is, though. It's like a this giant foam cutlass, Bum. but it's like... A, a, Tube about six or eight inches of foam rubber with a handle and a pommel, and you sit and beat each other with them. They're okay. called the Takabats. Cool. They're, they're from the seventies. Sorry. Sweet. I'm fine with this. I'm from the seventies too. <laughs> <laughs> you probably don't remember the Takabats. No. Vintage. <laughs> I'm just imagining like those little pool noodles. I'm sorry. Yes. I did my best. They're kind of like that, okay. but thicker. Okay, cool. Yes. I want to LARP. I'm going to LARP as the next strategic on. Do it. Uh, our, our LARP department is growing ba- leaps and bounds. Now, let me ask great. you, d- does Dying Kingdoms do... Or yeah. Is it Dying Kingdoms that did something similar to that years ago? I believe so, yeah. Because there's a... I think there's... Isn't there a tabletop version of Dying, Dying Kingdoms? Or am I thinking of a different a different LARP? I don't know if there was a There was a, a fantasy LARP I can't remember the name of it. Joe Morph, who uh, uh, used to listens once in a while, was involved with it. But um, they had tabletop games, and I think the tabletop games were like on Friday nights or something. Mm-hmm. And then, but that sort of set up the LARP games that happened on That's Saturday. Cool. I like that as a con- like a concept. Here's, up here's my That's concept that I have as a dream concept. All mm-hmm. right, I want to do a Star Trek. A couple of Star Trek tabletop games with, uh, with basically the the crews of two ships, doing something, then have sort of like a head-to-head Artemis. Oh, mm-hmm. that would be awesome! Where the crews actually do the actual video game of them fighting the ships, right. and then That's do a LARP cute. after that because the survivors crash land on a planet, and then they have to survive. I'm actually pretty into that. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, yes. I, I and think that, that would just be, be awesome. You, you can know, only do that at con. In, yeah. Is there? Uh, you, you, I don't know how flexible. I'm sure your new system is very flexible. Could you set up some sort of large 
multimedia game like that where you have PVP is a possibility in Artemis. It is programmed. To do no, no, that. I'm talking about uh, as far as registration goes. If you wanted to have something where you've got, there's going to be. Like, so with it, I do it as you uh, you pre-reg for the actual tabletop games, and I'd make it full pre-reg. And then that, and that when you t- register for those, it basically ties you into the rest of the okay. stuff. Okay. And then what we'd do is you, we'd open the LARP to sign-ins at the end because right. it, it, the possibility for more people it, it, it is there. Okay. So, you know, it, it it's kind of a very specialized thing, but I just think it'd just be so much fun just because we have all of those elements mm-hmm. resident. Yeah. Because that would, I mean, so that, that, an experience it. like that would be a reason in and of itself to go to a, right, right. a, a three-day game con. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. When I got brought into con, that's what we did. Yeah. It was like, our focus was like making experiences you can only experience at con, and that's one of the things that just... I want to I want to throw a little bit of shade at, what was the, like, Memorial Day Strategicon, okay. or con, whichever one it was. There was a LARP on there, and I lost my shit because it was like, a bunch of like writers are sitting at a bar and one of you becomes famous and popular, and you all have to deal with that. And I was like, that's not LARPing. That's every day for me. <laughs> 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 what the fuck? And this is like the first conversation that's ever You call this a game, one. I call this Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in LA is like, this would be a fun game to play. And like me and like two other writers like all saw that were like, the fuck it is. I was furious. That is not a funny concept. <laughs> not fun. Too soon. <laughs> Forever too soon, uh, but this I like. I would, I would LARP this. I have, I have my dream LARP that I told you about, Stu. I uh-huh. told you about. But anyways, the, no, no, one no, more thing about this guy. Go ahead. This, this, this goes into that specifically because it's a, a winter court LARP. Right. We've been talking but, about yeah. yeah. But the the ne- each time you play it, it's informed by the next by the year before it. Right. So you have these huge changes that happen, and the players literally get to change the face of Rokugan and then feel those changes in the next game. And I think that's what's most important there. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you're going to do sequels, to, to feel those big changes. Exactly. Right. But that's only really going to matter to the people who played before. Do you know what I mean? Well, no. I mean, it's going to affect the people who are playing in the in the second session, but I don't think they're going to feel the continuity. That. Do you know what I mean? If there has and to be I, an element well, of through line between both storylines. Right, but if they didn't experience the first one, to them, it's just uh, a LARP they're playing. Yeah, that's just all that's the got context. A, it's got a complicated but history. No it, well, if if, if you know L five R in the twelfth century, which is the first edition one, and then how drastic, or hopefully drastically different it would be, you'd you'd be able to tell that shit had happened. Right, right, but you still don't like going back to what like Steve was saying. Like, you still don't have the emotional like, oh, I feel that like. This is the wave of like shit other people have done. Right. I think that's the difference between well, like a sequel game versus just an episodic game. Well, also, hopefully, the people some people would play before are yeah. playing again, yeah, right. yeah, and yeah. they can kind of yeah, uh, sort of like what you were talking center. about, where they're telling the stories or, of the things that happen, or like what yeah. exactly. she was saying of, of like yeah, yeah. being able to read Same. the stories, and mm-hmm. that's I think the most important. Um, and that's this. how you tie it back d- to the original fucking email. Good job, yeah. everybody! We did it. Awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. D- Davey O'Mac, uh, first time in the chat room, welcome. Uh, on long-term episodic games, we used to have a stock, stock on, and Stalker? night, stock, I, I'm, stock do your best. Stock O-N-G. Stock long. Stock long? Stack long? I mean. Stall Kong. Stall Kong. What? Like, I don't read know. the rest of the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Give us some more context. Stock Kong, the night fantastic game that oh. ran at Dundracon and and Pacific Con. Uh, this ran over six or seven years. I think he mean he meant stacking. Oh, 
Stalking. Stalking the Night Fantastic. Oh. Oh, okay. That, that, okay, what I think that game is, is somebody who's like working in a warehouse, like in graveyard shift. Stalking shit at so night. much Molly. No. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> 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 I would lean that LARP. Give me boxes in front of my house. Let's go. Stalk, S T A L K I N G. Stalk. Play Roblox. Yeah. Like what? I would see what this person looks like on Facebook. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna like all the photos. But along with Tappy said, it's actually that, that the fact that you when you feel a palpable change in the world, it, it, it gives you sort of that, that emotional connection, which is why I like the idea of maybe having the the time in between the two sessions be sort of vast uh, and then you start it in a in a fairly well known setting like Forgotten Realms, and then you have the characters do something that's very world changing, and then <coughs> the next session people are going, "Why is this so radically different than the Forgotten Realms I know?" And then you can tell them, "Well, the other player characters in the previous game did X, Y, and Z." And that's why is there fun. a lake where there used to be a giant city? Word. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Who wrote the world? The last group. Yeah, the last group. It's water deep for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> it was Brian. Brian did. <laughs> Again. But I, 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 I like the idea of, of doing messing around with things so that there's a certain kind of continuity. My only concern is that the, the players yeah. feel that. I mean, fuck it, it's for you. Like sometimes right. the things just be for a DM. Yeah. Like yeah. it's for me. Like like making things that the players will never see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, right. It's a thing I like to do. And so you do and you do it for the sheer yeah. joy of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. Yeah. All right. Like all of games. Mm-hmm. <sighs> exactly. Well, that, that was the last email. All right. Yeah. All right. I, I, anything else anyone needs to talk about? Or I mean, can we pimp all of our shit? Pimp your yeah. shit. Cool. Come back this Sunday for a Blood Blade and Tusk in the Moment of Truth system. Session four. Session four. Is that right? Yeah. Right, session four. We're doing it. It's very good and super fun. Um, and oh god, it's like another week in two weeks from Wednesday. On Wednesday night at seven, Gene X. Gene X catch me and Jim. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. We're the we're the nice ones <laughs> in the group. I believe that. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I'm very pleasant on this podcast. And if you've never seen my characters, they are all cunts. <laughs> you so have to get it that out. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So like, come watch me be mean to the rest of the table. <laughs> No, actually, just it watch everybody be mean good. to each other. Cause <laughs> I, I, except for Mike, who just takes it all. Yeah, just takes it like a trooper. Very good. <laughs> I, I'm waiting for you to, to TPK the whole party in Blood, Blade, and Tusk by oh, casting I, a spell. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. I'm also going to... Man, it's me all the time. <laughs> There's a trend here. <laughs> I'm going to attack Kimmy's character and maybe kill the entire party in the process, so... Cool. I will say that I built her character. I will say this. <laughs> you better put her down in the first hit. Oh yeah! <laughs> like we're talking like push all the dice. Yes. And like I might leave a crater, but I will have won the fight. Right. And you may be on the ground unconscious, and the rest of the party may be dead as well. That's fine. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like anyone, anyone within a square mile. Yeah. Mm. All right. Uh, but. This coming Wednesday, you need to check out Vault 818, it's where so I am in. Uh, uh, it's Fallout-themed, obviously, Apocalypse World. Is and that obvious? Uh, well, it's, it's Fallout. Like, it's, it's very cool. Well, yeah. It's it's like 
Fallout coming out of a vault in Burbank, and it's we're all we all think that we're descendants of characters in movies That's because we all believe that movies are oh, the, actual the, historical. the archival record. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so and, and and the Burbank vault would probably yeah. have the best movie selection. Oh yeah, right? yeah. yeah. yeah so, <laughs> so good. My character's name is Hannibal A. Team. <laughs> Who is he the descendant of? He is the descendant of the entire A-team. Beautiful. Question to everyone, including the chat. If you had to be in this game, who would your ancestors be? <laughs> I have thought about this too much already, and mine would be Chadwick Boseman and Daisy Beats. Black Panther oh, okay. and oh, Domino, oh, and yeah. she would yes, think she please. was actual Wakanda princess. <coughs> oh yes, no, Gil no, no. Gerard <laughs> and Aaron Gray. Ooh, because I would be hot as fuck and space guy. Nice. I don't know. Gil, who uh, Aaron, Aaron Gray was from Buck Rogers. Gil Gerard was at the. Gil Gerard was Buck Rogers. Oh, he was. Okay, I, I couldn't. I, I knew heard the name. And the hot guy too. He was cool. Those were, they, were such were they, references. Were they both <laughs> Buck Rogers? No, no one, was, oh. one was Colonel Wilma Deering. Oh. Thank you very much. <laughs> Aaron Gray was like my elementary school crush. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh. She's still know. hot. She it. still does the convention I circuit, bet she and is. she's still hot. I one bet of, she is. One of the take the, the stones to that for a nickel. <laughs> uh, uh, one of the lineages that I thought about doing was Flash Gordon and Shaft, because <laughs> then you're really like. Who is the man who would give his life for his foot brother man? Flash! Ah! Oh <laughs> that's very good. It's a mashup but, joke, and I'm fucking here for yeah, it. Yeah, but it, that's the only joke, so. You know what? <laughs> that's pretty it's a good. solid Aaron joke. Gray. Oh, she's cute. I like it. She's like and standard she wore, 60s hot. And she wore a bodysuit. Not only I mean, that, yeah, but I'm she was like it. sort of like a colonel and a pilot and a badass, right. and sort of an authority figure in the With story. Very good so. hair. You With know what? Awesome hair. I ship it. Here for it. You didn't answer the question. I so know. Can I can't press something about Don. I don't know. I don't know. Let's uh, go. <laughs> I need to think about it. Drake and Ariana Grande. End of what? Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to say. <laughs> I just wanted to throw some youths out there. Uh, <laughs> Clint Eastwood from Any Which Way But Loose. <laughs> no, I, you know, I think the guy from BJ and the Bear. I think it would. I, I think it would. <laughs> what? I think it would be. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, he just. He just died. Bert uh, Reynolds. Bert Reynolds. Bert Reynolds. And oh, no, Bert Backrack. No, not Bert Backrack. <laughs> Bert Reynolds and what's her name from? Uh, what's the one about the the trucker or, or the the. Uh, where they're trying to Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey and the Bandit. Shut up! Smokey and the Bandit. What's your name? Uh, you like Sally you Field? Really like Sally Field. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, they were together for real. That's a good one. Yeah. Oh, they. Oh, He's yeah, found that's down. right. Yeah. That's a. That's actually a very good yeah. one. You're right. She. She's still a looker. Yeah. And I, I, there's m- more recent pictures of her. Wow. Nice. Yeah. And just super cool. Very, very genetics, man. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> All right. Sweet. That's it. Is that it? I guess. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm gonna play. Oh, the I'm thing. gonna add Tweaky to that because he was cool too. Who? Tweaky the robot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Doctor Theophilus. You related to a robot? That's why I have a robot guy. Exactly. That's why I have a robot hand. Beedy beedy beedy. All right. Thank you for joining us for season 22, episode 19 of Happy Text RPG Podcast. (laughs) My name is Stu. I'm Bria. This is Daddy. I'm dying, and I'm dead. (laughs) Thank you very much. We'll see you next week, Friday, 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Happy Text RPG Podcast Live. Join us there. Thank you very much. I'll leave with a song. Oh
Media Empire.